millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. Accepting applications now through May. More information at education.olemiss.edu. Good morning. It's 8.30 on Tuesday, May 2nd. I'm Karen Brown, and this is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. On today's show, it's primary election day in Mississippi. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman is in studio with us with a breakdown of who Mississippians are voting for. Some families are still picking up the pieces at their homes today as storm recovery efforts continue. One victim of Sunday's severe weather tells us how she survived the storm in her home. And the Department of Mental Health will cut more than 600 employee jobs over the next 13 months and consolidate services as they face a declining budget. And advocates from Mississippi will join others from around the country today as they rally for child care and child development on Capitol Hill. We'll hear from event organizers. That's all coming up. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Today is primary election day for municipal offices in Mississippi. Voters across the state will choose candidates to fill local offices such as mayor and city council. Polls will be open until 7 this evening. Runoff elections will be held May 16th if they're needed. And the general election is June 6th. Secretary of State Delbert Hoseman joins us in studio this morning, urging Mississippians to take a few minutes to cast your vote. Good morning, Mr. Secretary. Good morning, Karen. How are you? I'm fine. And, and and there's the sentence, urging Mississippians to take a few minutes to cast your ballot. That's sort of your mantra, isn't it? Well, uh, it has been most recently. The if you, Our lines are short. I've been in Madison and Jackson precincts today and watching, and we're getting reports from all over the state. Secretary of State's actually in 24 municipalities today. And we're seeing lines are short and doesn't take long. You know, take five minutes, get in your truck, go cast your ballot. Or you have an alternative. You don't complain for the next four years about your garbage, your water, uh, your fire protection or police or anything else. The most Mississippians vote during the presidential election. What is the percentage of registered voters who vote in a presidential right. election? We, we run about 65 percent. We have 1.8 million registered voters and in Mississippi, and about 65 percent will show up for a presidential election. Some what? of those, uh, we have five counties in Mississippi that have more people registered to vote than are uh, over the age 18 and breathing. And so it used to be 28 or 9 or whatever, and we've gotten it down to the last five, final five here, and uh, we're actively reducing that. But in most of the rest of the country, about 70 or 75 percent of the people actually register to vote and then cast a ballot. Uh, in Mississippi, we, we have more registered voters than, than the typical percentage. All right, 65 percent vote in a presidential election. Yeah. How many do you expect to vote in this municipal primary well, if election? If we get a third, I'll be, I'll be pleased. Okay. Is that just because it's a primary? 
Well, I think that more is, for the, for yes, the June there, 6th. there is there is a primary, but many of Mississippi towns, uh, some some are equally divided between Democrats and Republicans. But many of our Mississippi citizens have pretty much a slate, you know, where it's mainly a Democratic uh, election uh, de- determines, or maybe a Republican election will determine the outcome. So the day becomes particularly important, and um, where we may have a general election, we'll have a general election in four weeks, but it's pretty much a fait accompli by then. Just looking at uh, at the you know at how many people are nominated from that are not nominated from the opposing party. Do you take the stance that all elections are local? All politics is local. Without question, I mean every every decision we make in Mississippi is made at the local level. They first decide who to send to Jackson. Uh, that's all fine, but really the mayors uh, the biggest turnout often is the sheriff's election and uh, people when you're electing a sheriff the, the people will come out for that um then you then you see your mayors and boards of aldermen and those are heavily contested and even when somebody loses an election um they may uh, the winner may be channeling his course more towards what the loser actually said when he was bringing up issues. You know, the streets are a mess. Well, right before election, you see a lot of streets get paved. <laughs> so so may, it's a good thing to have uh, uh, to, to have a vocal opposition on occasion. Tell us some of the rules or things that people need to know before they walk into that ballot booth. Well, first of all, it's not going to take you long. Second of all, don't forget your ID. Uh, Mississippi has 99.9% of our people showed up with an ID. Uh, we a just, photo ID. A photo ID that, uh, or you know, a photo ID that's acceptable for voting, and that could be an Indian, uh, a Native American ID. It could be a passport. It could be a number of different things, but they're all on my website. But we had 99.9% of the people show up with those uh, the last time. Uh, Mississippi has been remarkably successful. We're the only state that didn't get sued, Karen. Texas just got their voter ID thrown out again. Uh, I've been contacted by Missouri to get all of our information. They want to implement voter ID there without having some expensive litigation, long process. It's very divisive I mean, in the community and allegations of disenfranchisement and all other things. Uh, you can see it in North Carolina. You see, you see it all over, everywhere in Mississippi. We, we did it right. Here's a recent phenomenon, people taking selfies in, yeah. in the we don't ballot do, box. We don't do that. Is it against the law? Yes, we don't do that here. It's against the law. Yeah, we don't want you taking selfies. First of all, there's somebody standing behind you who's got to go to work, okay? So you need to be doing that. Second of all, of course, uh, and, you know, the uh, people would some people would say, well, you voted away and you took a picture of it so you can show somebody that you voted that way so somebody might pay you. Uh, well, we don't want that, obviously. So, uh, And if you remember... Um, this this all started back hundreds of years before the United States even uh, when people wanted to vote in secret. You have the right in vote in secret. If you're standing there and somebody's taking a selfie of them, they may be taking a selfie of you, and, they, and you've, you're casting your ballot. So we, we very judiciously protect the right for you to cast your ballot without somebody standing over you or taking pictures of you. If this is a uh, primary, what would necessitate a runoff? A 50% if you don't get 50% plus majority. one. Yes, ma'am. If um, we'll it, have those now, like in Jackson, we'll have we'll have a runoff in Jackson. They have like thirteen or fourteen candidates because of, of all the mayor. Yeah, yeah. I doubt if there'll be uh, not be a runoff. I'd be surprised if someone is not sure where they go to vote. Where do they go? They can call our office. Uh, they can call the city hall. Municipal clerks run the election, and that's a good point, Karen. The election commissioners are elected five in each county, the same as a supervisor's district. 
But those five people run the count, run the county elections of state representatives and senators and governor and all of that and ju- judicial elections. But the municipal elections are run by municipal clerks. And so you'll see a little bit different face often at these particular ones now. Uh, they only run this thing every four years. And what's your website address? SOS.MS.gov. Secretary of State Delbert Hosman, thank you so much for coming in. Thank you, Karen. Don't forget to vote. Coming up, a victim of Sunday's storms reacts to the destruction at her home. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Informative MPB news stories, the local shows you love, up-to-date severe weather info, and the stated worldwide reach telling the story of Mississippi. You're listening to MPB Think Radio. I'm Jeremy Hobson. Now that so much of our personal information is online, how can we protect ourselves from hackers? Changing passwords frequently might not be enough. If you find the email is compromised, you should try to change the password from a different computer. Don't do it from the same computer because you don't know exactly how your Hmm. email has been compromised. That's next time on Here and Now. Today at noon on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. Federal funds may be headed to the state for storm recovery. The severe weather that ripped through the state left damage in 28 counties. Local officials and area coordinators from the Mississippi Emergency Management Agency continue efforts to restore power to affected homes and assess damage. Their findings will inform federal officials now that Governor Phil Bryant has declared a state of emergency. Cheryl Mobley says her home endured structural damage in Sunday's storms. She tells MPB's Alexis Ware what she heard. The sirens were going off, multiple sirens. I want to say there were three or four sirens had gone off, and I was home alone with just the dog. My husband was having to work at the hospital yesterday, and so uh, we took warning, like they said, and we got in the uh, closet under the stairs, and we were okay, but I heard a loud crash, and, of course, I couldn't see anything. We'd already lost power, and we'd lost Internet, TV, every all the services were gone, and uh, we were in there in the dark, but I could hear a crash, and the... Um, tree i found out later had come through the house and it was like multiple things then a few minutes later i heard glass exploding and i thought the windows were exploding on the house i didn't find out till much later we have big glass mirrors over our vanities and they said the pressure from the wall buckling in made that glass explode then a little while later we have this major pouring of water rushing down and i realized that i think the hot water tank exploded and so that water on top of the rain was pouring down so I was finally able to get a hold of my husband. He was able to come home, and he turned off the water, and we called State Farm, and they've been real good to us, and so they're helping us get everything put back together. So when you were in the closet under your stairs, what did you think had happened when you heard that first initial crash? I was hoping it was just a limb, because before that I could hear some small things hitting, like limbs and things were hitting the front window and everything and I thought it was just I was hoping it was just a limb but I knew it might be a tree I mean you know it was just a loud crash it was almost like an explosion it was so loud tell me a little bit how you're feeling now once you're starting the recovery you don't realize what a long process it's going to be we also called the fire department they were very good and they were very uh, good to turn off all the utilities because they said the gas was the danger so we had the gas the water cut off and the lights and everything so the to make the house safe And, of course, we can't live here. We're at a hotel right now. But uh, everybody's working. The tree came down yesterday, and they've got to try to remove it today. But it's ground so wet they're going to have trouble getting it off. And they tarped the house. 
adjusters are coming tomorrow, but unfortunately they estimate four to six months maybe before it can be put back together since it was structural damage. So it's going to be a long time. How long have you lived at this home? Uh, since 1993, so a long time. How are you feeling now that it has to be repaired? Uh, sad. My parents live up the street. My sister lives over, so we've lived here a long time. Will you get to keep this house? Oh, yeah, and it's paid for. So, yes, this is our home. Our children grew up here, so this is our home. What's next for you? Just keep going. The hotel, I guess, for as long as we can stay there. And then, uh, in fact, we're meeting with the adjuster tomorrow just to, to see what's next and the contractor. And the main issue is to determine how much structural damage. If it's major, it may be worse than we thought. But we're hoping it can just be repaired and then everything put back. Tell me just a rundown of what all the damage is. The tree came through the attic in the process it damaged the bedroom upstairs the attic's completely gone and then the attic has now started collapsing upon our bedrooms gone our uh, bathrooms gone both our closets are gone some of the sunroom and because the chimney has now fallen off the roof in fact it's hanging up there right now still i think we're starting to get water damage in the den because it's coming through the chimney and the water and the uh Everything in there is, is damaged. So pretty much that whole house, half side of the house is gone. And then so your personal belongings too? Uh, unfortunately, it was our closets and most of the things. They had told us at State Farm to try to get out as much as we could. So we started trying to get it out till we realized the ceiling was starting to collapse. I mean, literally on us. And so they said safety issue. So we have a few belongings out, but not very many. So uh, until somebody can get here and either get them out and clean them or whatever. I have on my husband's socks right now. <laughs> but yeah, we got a few belongings out, but not very many, unfortunately, because the damage was too bad and it was unsafe. Were any of those kind of items of memorabilia, maybe childhood photos or anything? Oh, yes. In the attic, the worst thing is that all my uh, decorations are up there, my Christmas tree, was, all my children's ornaments were there, so they're gone. But, uh, yep, mostly that. Otherwise, no, we, did too good. we didn't do too bad. There were a few pictures I had in the bedroom, and they're gone, but mostly it was just the Christmas decorations that are gone. What are your, I guess, any positives out of the situation? Oh, that we didn't get hurt. The, the strange thing is usually we go into the closet in the back corner when the sirens go off and it's a whole family if they're here and it's a bigger closet. Well, for some reason, and like everybody said, it was probably a blessing. I went in the closet under the stairs and so I was okay. Thank you. You're welcome. That was Cheryl Mobley speaking with our Alexis Ware. Two people have died as a result of the storms, one in Brandon, one in Durant. Coming up, more than 600 employees of the state's mental health department will lose their jobs. Find out why. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. From the Capitol steps to your front door, MPB News covers the state like no one else. Our team of award-winning journalists keeps you informed on the news affecting your life. MPB News, online at mpbonline.org and on MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Karen Brown. News of the Department of Mental Health's plan to cut up to 650 jobs by June 2018 is rippling through the state. Cuts to the agency's budget have agency leaders making big changes, including consolidating services. One Mississippi lawmaker says she wants the governor to add the State Department of Mental Health to the special session in June to avoid the massive layoffs. House Democrat Kathy Sykes of Hines County is on the Public Health and Welfare Committee. She 
She tells MPB's Desiree Frazier the cuts will be detrimental to local communities. I am uh, very upset uh, with that decision. Uh, You know, I spoke against the budget cuts to mental health uh, in a state um, uh, where we are uh, facing an opioid epidemic and um, you know, so many of our citizens are in need of uh, mental health services, you know, for uh, drug treatment and and to help, you know, our citizens cope better. So it's so very unfortunate that we're going to have less personnel uh, and programs to provide the necessary uh, services for our, our communities. It's so unfortunate. Some legislators would say, how can we do anything other than what we've done because revenues have not kept up with projections and we just don't have the money? You know, the state does have money. It's a matter of priorities. And uh, it just appears to me that our priorities are not uh, focused where they where they should be. You know, we decided that we wanted to implement a, a tax cut to corporations. And, you know, that's going to strain our our budget even further. And, uh, you know, we're cutting education as well as mental health. And so, you know, but we we take in billions of dollars each year. So it's just a matter of priority. And we need to refocus our priorities in this state and do what we are championed to do for our citizens, and that's to provide services to protect the public welfare. And this issue of, of cutting services for mental patients, it affects the public health and welfare. Also, uh, the Department of Mental Health has, I'm told, as many as three lawsuits pending. Any idea what type of effect these cuts, reducing the community care program, laying off workers will have on the outcome of these lawsuits? It's going to be detrimental because we are not going to be able to fulfill the requirements of the lawsuit. We're not going to be able to remedy uh, whatever we're found being negligent of because the funds will not be there. And unless we uh, put our people first and add to the special session agenda funding for mental health services, then we may find ourselves paying out a whole lot of money in lawsuits because we're failing to meet the needs of our citizens. Do you think it's possible the governor could add the Department of Mental Health to the special session? I pray that he would, because we really need to do something immediately about that to avoid the laying off of all of these workers. Our small towns and and small communities cannot handle the loss of jobs for this many workers statewide. It would it would be detrimental. There will be no one shopping malls, uh, in the grocery stores. We really need to do something about that. So many people who could benefit from these services find themselves in our criminal justice system. And it's extremely more costly to incarcerate than to uh, prevent or to help people recover when they uh, find themselves in a, in a downward situation. It's incumbent upon our government to add mental health to the special session. Representative Sykes, thank you so much for your comments. Thank you so much.
A spokesperson for Governor Phil Bryant said in a statement the governor will make a decision uh, about any agency budgets closer to the date of the special session, which is June 5th. Coming up, child advocates converge at the nation's capital to rally Congress. More on that just ahead. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Podcasts of your favorite MPB Think Radio programs are available now. With any podcast app, you can search, subscribe, and never miss a second of MPB Think Radio. This is Mississippi Edition. I'm Karen Brown. Happening today, parents and infants from Mississippi are encouraging Congress to think babies. Advocates from all over the country are teaming up to urge their elected representatives to make babies care and development a national priority through investments in programs and policies that support early brain development. The action is part of the Strolling Thunder event organized by the Zero to Three program and supported by the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. The goal is to emphasize why making young children's potential a national priority and benefits the country and impacts the future. Matthew Melmet is executive director of Zero to Three. Jamie Buffel is from the Robert Wood Johnson Foundation. They tell us about the research behind their work. Well, we have very, very sound science over very many years that tells us that the early weeks and months of years of life are critical, particularly in terms of early brain formation and the connections that happen in the brain. And that, in turn, lays the foundation for our success later in life in school uh, and in, in work. And so we understand that, and the question then becomes, what kinds of supports do families need in the hardest job they'll ever have, which is really in, in, ba- in raising a baby or in a toddler? Jamie, how did this march come about, I mean, to have representatives from every state? Um, we've been working closely with Zero to Three and really wanting Congress to think babies in everything that they do. Um, We want them to know that investing in infants and toddlers brings long-term benefits to the country as a whole. Um, And as Matthew said, the importance of those earliest years of life cannot be under overestimated. To make Congress aware of this is certainly uh, a major feat. Do either of you, or both of you, expect action from Congress? Oh, yes. I mean, I think that what we have to be uh, clear about is that uh, we have um, families here from all 50 states um, who are going to share their stories with members of Congress. And families know what's best for their babies, and they know what they need in order to help them get the best possible start in life. And that understanding is starting to happen. We see policymakers at both the federal and state level starting to get that message that the early years are important. And these families are here to essentially say to Congress, look, we need time to bond with our babies. We need quality and affordable child care. We need supports and services, especially through pediatric settings. They're going to answer our questions and to make sure that if there are any kinds of delays or concerns, that those are addressed early 
Could one of you share a story from one of the parents? You know, what I can share is some of the really innovative work that's happening in the state of Mississippi. Um, for example, state agencies in your home state are partnering up with community colleges to provide really important training and coaching to early care and education providers. Um, and that is critically important to ensuring that the kids in the state of Mississippi are getting off to a great start. So I think that's just one of the innovative approaches um, that's happening in the state of Mississippi. What is the biggest challenge in Mississippi? I, I think that uh, we see uniformly uh, in terms of the challenges that uh, families of babies and toddlers have is that they do not have the time to be able to bond with their babies. They do have to go back to work. They don't have uh, paid time off options that would really, that are flexible, that will meet their needs. And then when they do go back to work, uh, affording childcare and particularly getting quality childcare is a major hurdle. There is very little in terms of support uh, for parents. How many people are actually in Washington strolling, the thunder strolling <laughs> around the Capitol? Well, we, we do have a uh, family with a baby and toddler from every state uh, here, and they will be joined by several hundred other uh, local families who will be taking that stroll. Is it called strolling thunder because you hope to have a thunderous impact? Hey, I love that, Karen. Yes, we hope to have a thunderous impact. We're calling it Strolling Thunder, um, as Matthew said, because we're going to be all over the hill today with strollers in tow, and, and we want to make a huge impression with our little visitors. Stay tuned to MPB Think Radio for a full slate of Mississippi-based programs all morning long. Coming up at 9 o'clock, it's Money Talks. At 10 o'clock, it's In Legal Terms. At 11 o'clock, stay tuned for Southern Remedy. And then join us again tomorrow morning at 8.30 for the next Mississippi edition, only on MPB Think Radio. Support for MPB comes from the University of Mississippi School of Education, now offering an online master's degree in teaching. A state license can be earned after the first summer semester with an opportunity to teach grades 7 through 12. Accepting applications now through May. More information at education.olemiss.edu.